Hey everyone, as you may know, while we've been away, a lot of revelations about the pro wrestling industry uh, have come out as a result of the speaking out movement, uh, which changed the way we look at wrestling and the industry as a whole. Firstly, we want to say that we wholeheartedly support everyone affected by the systemic abuse discussed as part of the speaking out movement, and we will be tailoring our show accordingly. There are a number of people implicated by this movement who are woven into the PWG history, most notably Joey Ryan. We will not be focusing on Ryan or any similarly implicated person on this show. We understand that as a Pro Wrestling Gorilla history podcast, mentioning people like this is unavoidable. In such instances, we will outline the occurrence, like a match result for example, but we won't be breaking down the segment in any significant way. We realise this is a big change and hope everyone can understand this is necessary for us to feel comfortable with continuing the podcast. We also hope you can appreciate that this is a fluid situation and it may change as we roll on. Thanks for your understanding and if you'd like to get in touch with us about this or any other matter, uh, you can reach us on the usual channels. I hope you enjoy the show. And welcome back to Journey Through Gorilla Island with me, Zig, Barry, Emma, Sarah. First of all, it's great to be back, isn't it? It is. It is. It's been a while, as Stain said. As who? Stained. Stained. It's been a while. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been six or seven months. God, yeah. And um, what a six and seven months it's been. Yeah. So let's not mention any of it. <laughs> Does anyone say anything before we jump in? Or? No. No. Decided to get straight. back in and talk about this show that absolutely didn't keep the momentum going from the last really good show we <laughs> talked about. I have to say, this had to be like the worst possible time to jump back in. Yeah. I remember looking up the show and cage match beforehand, you know, to get prepared, to get the show notes together. And I was like, a nice 3.92. <laughs> I did the, the opposite. I looked up to refresh where we were. I looked at reasons for the season. I was like, oh, wait, that was, yeah, that was really good. All these matches. And I was like, this must be it. This is when PWG says, okay, now we're <laughs> off to the races and they get good. And oh, I was brought back down to earth with a clatter for this show. So we'll jump right in to this show that we've hyped up massively. <laughs> uh, the Secret of the Ooze, uh, which took place on the 14th of August, 2004 from the Hollywood Los Feliz Jewish Community Centre and was attended by 160 diehard fans. Our show opened with a promo from our newly crowned champion, Frankie the Future Kazarian, who saw off Adam Pearce in our last show in a bloody cage match. I think we can jump back straight in with the fashion police that we like to do I don't know what the get up was here a much baggier t-shirt yes. than we're used to yeah. Frankie wearing because he had been wearing the tight with the kind of tucked into the high waisted pants but now we're getting like a, a sort of a baggy so I think this is his maybe his gangster era and the baggy pants as yeah. well I think I think he did have these before because the phrase that came to mind we definitely used it on this podcast Hardy-esque early yeah. 2000s Hardy's-esque pants the neck of him to come out wearing that and then rag on people in the crowd for what yeah. they're wearing. Have you seen yourself, Frank? He really thought he was smooth, though. 
Oh, this was a new Frankie. Yeah. He was feeling yeah. himself. Yeah. 100%. But, like, not better. Like, no, you know what I mean? no, no. Because he, he, he was trying to banter with some fan in the front row about what he was wearing. And just, you could tell he had nothing, but he just, he thought just by interacting with the guy, he thought he was doing great. I thought he was slagging him for being short. <laughs> I think he was it his because he said something about take off your cap take was off it your cap yeah, okay. well? so I thought he was co- like I thought he was just ragging on this guy he was like stand up stand up I thought it was because stand up because you're really small yeah. and I was like why are you picking on the short king up here <laughs> and then he concluded it by saying anywho and moved yeah. on to the rest of his promo yeah he listed the titles he's won everywhere um, most places got a cheer except UPW which got a fuck UPW chance <laughs> and TNA which got booed which often did at this time whenever yeah. it was mentioned as he was listing out his accomplishments Cole Cabana interrupted him being accompanied to the ring by Edward Vanderpile and listed all the titles he'd won does anyone remember his uh, uh, so honours role six time marshmallow eating champion mm-hmm. three time Illinois State hungry hippos champion and he can jug a glass of tang faster than anyone. I enjoyed the Hungry Hippo chant. He, he, he listed all those, and then he went into a bunch of wrestling titles, like WWF Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. I was waiting for a punchline where he's like, in SmackDown versus Raw or something. But he's, no, he just listed a bunch of titles from the television shows that he had not won, and that was the joke. So it was pretty good. Yeah, I think there was a WCW title in there, there was. which had been dead four years at that yeah, point. Yeah. I was just reminded because I remember watching I think it was the first ever Wrestling Row Diaries and he's in some rinky-dink town cutting a promo at the merch table like Colt Wood of course he's cutting a promo at the merch table he's like yeah I um, be Andre the Giant at Wrestlemania 3 and there's like a fan just being like yeah right you did <laughs> like really <laughs> Colt and it's just, that's Dave Meltzer he's also complaining about the attendance as well we're really Strange tie dye hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> and jeans as wide as the eye could see. Stone washed Frank Kazarian <laughs> jeans. Do you remember that one? Like indies used to have WWF belts, but they'd scratch yeah. out their logo and put yeah. their own on it. If Colt had a few of those, that would have been great. I had a, a friend who was starting out, so I'm not trying to insult the promotion because it was uh, some local promotion she was managing and. Uh, the tag team she was managing won a title and they were two of the O2-esque undisputed WWF champ- quite a cool championship oh, the best the best the best belts on their tag champions one of each and it was the classic they had like some kind of steel emblem made so they spent some money on getting a little thing made and just put it over the WWE on the thing <laughs> and I was just like nice nice like those belts are $350 there's no way getting your own one made it wasn't, wasn't cheaper it wasn't a replica like a nice it was like a going to Smith's or a toy oh, shop yeah, 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 yeah. it was because you could tell it was like a rigid kind of like plasticky kind of thing it was not yeah. a yeah because if you're going to buy a replica from WWE yeah just buy one to get a proper yeah. one yourself anywho um <laughs> A match is made for later in the night uh, where Colt will challenge Frankie for his belt. But our first match of the evening is a scrambled eggs match, which uh, seems to be a gauntlet of sorts, featuring four tag teams. The first two teams in are Human Tornado and Superbad against Top Gun Talwar and Charles Mercury. Yeah, no, scrambled eggs means that no, there's no tag necessary, but when your partner rolls under the ring or ro- under the rope... Uh, then you're the legal man. All right, like lucha rules. Yeah. 
but the more rolling. <laughs> oh, you have to go under. I think. Oh, that's okay, how okay, it is. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, so a few years before, I think this would be most famously done. I feel like at least. You had a tornado uh, and super bad bouncing basketballs off the heels heads, and then human tornado did the uh, slam dunk into a hurricane rana off the basketball hoop, which I think the really famous gif of that is like Matt Seidel from like 07 or something, like a couple of years later. So tornado, the innovator, uh, underappreciated. They're not in long before Tower pins human tornado with like it was a very cool clover leaf pin. Got him in the cloverleaf position, but leaned forward and pinned him. But was uh, I think it was Tornado started to do a monkey flip and like Tower stopped his his momentum. Right, and it was it was really really cool. Yeah, Disco Machine and Excalibur are next out. Still funny when they say who are these beautiful men when they're commentating their own match. It still gets me. It's still a good bit. <laughs> still gets me now. <laughs> <laughs> Disco Machine has incredible thighs. I don't know if I... I hadn't noticed them before, but they were just... They looked fantastic. It's the cameras. They're getting better, so you're seeing things more. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure his thighs were always luscious. Yeah. Now, it's been a while since I've watched PWG, but they should not be partners. Should they? They talked about that on commentary, yeah. yeah. No, there's no reason for it. No. (laughs) Because he... Because Disco is like, oh, I'm fighting my sexual tension yeah. and oppression stable mates. Uh, why? Uh, I don't know. Like, neither of them knew why. And he, he jokingly said on commentary that he was reasoning with them. But he didn't, they didn't even bother to do one spot about that. Like, I, until he said, I forgot that they were a unit, like, you know, on, as recently as two shows ago, I'm fairly sure. I think that pretty much sums up PWG in a nutshell, doesn't yeah. it? It's like all these different stories and they kind of forget about them conveniently for their all their matches. There was a lot of Manhattan drops. A lot, yeah. Um, so it's kind of the arm drag of this this tournament. There was at least two in the first one and then Disco does one here. Yeah, was a lot. The action was mostly good. Top Gun did some dives. Charles Mercury did a 450 outside, which was terrifying. Um and there was one one really awful double team that Disco Machine said should be edited. It wasn't, obviously. <laughs> I feel like that's just their go-to line. It never does get edited. Yeah, it was like a weird tilt-a-whirl type thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so Quicksilver was originally meant to be in this match, but he instead is moved somewhere else on the card because Chris Bosch couldn't get the day off work, apparently. He was too scared to ask for the day off work <laughs> of his real job. Which they alluded to, but would not confirm what it was. But did you not? Know, was it yeah. not the auto parts? Yeah, Craig they, and auto parts. Yeah, yeah, but I assume they, they were saying that in that tone where you could kind of tell they were. No, but Scalaber was saying the real reason is actually funnier than the fake reason we're making okay. up because they were saying, oh, we couldn't get off working in the sex rooms. And Scalaber yeah. was saying, well, no, actually, the truth is funnier than the lie. That he had got a job in, and he's working in the spark plug aisle <laughs> and he was worried he would lose his job if he asked for the day off, off or if he took the day off uh, so he instead just didn't show up and it must have been quite late notice mm. because everyone was um, pretty pissed off <laughs> Excalibur hits Talwar with a tombstone outside which we don't see but we're only told about some guy stands up right in front of the camera like it was just a really awful time I was shocked they didn't bury that on commentary because he gets up just as Excalibur is about to do the move while in the ring Disco hits Mercury with a choke breaker and pins his protege 
It was a good choke breaker. So next out were every, Mexico's favourite tag team, <laughs> Los Rojos Locos. They hit the worst backbreaker <laughs> I've ever seen in this match. Like, it actually just made me audibly just go, oh, it was so bad. Uh, there was a good spot where uh, Disco was in a single leg crab. And Excalibur rang in and kicked whichever one of the Rojos was doing it and it looked fine to me and then Disco pointed out that Excalibur stepped on his face <laughs> while he was saving him and badly hurt him yeah he broke some blood vessels he said yeah <laughs> might have to go back and look for that one SPS tried to unmask one of the Rojos but he sort of fights them off and escapes and they get Excalibur out of the ring and Disco is put in a Boston Crab crossface combination and taps so Los Rojos Locos I think are the number one contenders for the tag belts was there did I make that up I don't yeah, remember I don't. them it would, I mean that would make the most sense why yeah. else would there be the gauntlet yeah. but I don't remember that being mentioned now it was sense. possibly mentioned at the beginning but commentary will talk over it yeah. and they're not going to tell us no. the future so some fine investigative reporting by myself there. <laughs> <laughs> so in our second match Joey Ryan pins Quicksilver in about 13 minutes and after the match Paul T comes out and makes a ladder match for the next show between Scott Lost and Joey Ryan for the sole ownership of the PWG tag team titles our third match is Brad Bradley and Baby Slim against Apollo Khan and his unlikely tag, tag partner Brandon Tomaselli what a collection of names in this match like on paper it's bizarre like What's Brandon Tomaselli doing there? Yeah, usually they'd have made this a weird number one contenders four way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do. Was Brad Bradley always that big? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why me and Barry liked him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I think it was good though in this match. Excalibur kind of ran down the history of the now coined dangerous players of, mm. of Puma, Reyes, uh, Romero, and Joe, and the fact that they don't want their dojo bro Brad Bradley in the group. Um, so Bradley's now like switched allegiances on his team with Baby Slim and um, Baby Slim wearing a lovely black fit mm. and Brad Bradley wearing Inoki Dojo gear yeah love that during the match as well Excalibur drops that the PWG title is open weight and it's not a heavyweight championship in case anyone was wondering <laughs> if there was ever any doubt <laughs> yeah not, not much of a match I didn't really think um, I thought it was weird it felt like the faces were like I, I, well, I, get, I assume Bradley and Slim were faces at this point in the show Baby Slim's a baby face does that make sense? Yeah. yes yeah. and like the idea that Excalibur was putting forward was that Brad Bradley was too because he was against the yeah. dangerous players and like but like they were the faces but I feel like they got the heat on Apollo Khan for what felt like 20 minutes and he got a tiny comeback and then Bradley just hit him in one I, I this was nothing I didn't think did the Thomasellis not have a big goodbye? Uh, they had a yeah. Yeah. I was so confused. Yeah. Like, why are you here? I'm just one of you. <laughs> but didn't one of them say, well, no, yeah. yeah. yeah and I hope it was back. him. Yeah. I hope it was yeah. him who wouldn't say, this is it. <laughs> but there's so many Thomasellis that we don't know. Yeah. And they do keep changing names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I really hope that was him. And the other guy goes, it, it, they're both, both meant to be booked. Yeah. And the other guy was like, no, I'm honouring it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> never returning to California. <laughs> studied Bill Watts 
I really feel like in this match they're really trying to get Brad Brady's lariat over it was like really Kojima-esque at the end like really like yeah this is fucking strong style lariat Brad Brady is the man Enochism for life <laughs> it was just yeah it was very bleh Bradley does win with his Kojima style, his cozy lariat. <laughs> I don't remember who he pins, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Our next match is one member of the Dangerous Players, Puma, against the returning Josh Prohibition. Now, this match is happening because Brian Danielson got called away to Japan. Yeah, so he was in a show in Ryugoku. It was um, called New Japan Climax Plus One. Huh. So this is this is the match he was in. No, wait till you hear this. So it was American Dragon, Chad Malenko, a.k.a. Chad Collier, Iceman, Ricky Reyes, and Rocky Romero. So PWG not doing great oh, yeah. here with consistency with their stories if they're teaming on the same team in Japan. And now I'm going to butcher some names here. So this so. is that's a four-man team? That's a four-man team. team. Five-man team, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, okay. And they're against Akia Anzawa, Hiroki Goto, Hiroshi Nagao, Naomi, Naofumi Yamamoto, and Yujiro. Oh, wow. And this was a 20-minute time limit oh, draw. Oh, my God. <laughs> Naofumi Yamamoto? Yeah. Kid Yamamoto? Is that who it is? Yeah, he was an MMA fighter. That's really weird. Now, let me... He's dead now. Or <laughs> IP. Let me just... This show, in general, that Brian was on, is so random looking at it in isolation. Because not o- that wasn't the only 20-minute time limit draw match on that show. The match before was El Samurai and Izuka against Taiji Shimori and Ultimo Dragon in a 20-minute time limit draw. You had Nakajima on this show, who would have been, what, like 16 yeah. at the time? And then you have a 35-minute main event, eight-man singles elimination match. I won't even go into the details. Was it a, is that a karaoke like, show? Or? It was Ryo Goku, and it was just a regular TV show. But Years. I think it really sums up New Japan in the mid-2000s. Of the era, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, sorry, I was wrong there. It's not Kid Yamamoto. Kid Yamamoto is Norafumi Yamamoto. Do you know who now Fumi Yamamoto is? Who? Yoshitatsu. Oh, Whoa. okay. He's been around that long. Oh there my you God. go. He actually is older than you think. I think he's in like he's in his forties, yeah. right? I suppose he was in like that version of ECW a decade ago at this stage. Yeah. So yeah. that makes sense. With a banger of a tune. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great match with Christian. Stand by it. <laughs> I'll take your word. <laughs> so Excalibur tells us that you don't say no to Japan. And Brian Danison definitely doesn't because he is addicted to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Danison was supposed to be facing Samoa Joe and Josh Prohibition was supposed to be facing Super Dragon. So they did some reshuffling and we got Josh Prohibition versus Puma. It, it really says a lot that Josh Prohibition was going to be against Super Dragon though, no? They must yes, think a lot of them. That yeah. made me think it. But then I was like, oh, well, that could be... Super Dragon just absolutely beating the shit out of Josh Prohibition. That could be fun. But Josh Prohibition seems to have a lot of respect. He's, I don't know. From the boys. Yeah, he <laughs> seems like a worker's worker. Yeah. yeah. 
of that era as well. I think like and he didn't he team with Matt Cross. Well, he he's kind of yeah, Matt yeah. Cross esque kind of guy. I've no idea. I've no idea. But like he seems like you know that kind of where people respect him as solid, but also like will innovate a move or two. You know, doing some stuff at the time that was that was cool because he was he's a very 2004 was kind of everywhere on the US Indies. Yeah, and he did some cool stuff in this match as well. You can kind of see why this company would be giving him a, a shot at the time. He'd also recently moved to Salt Lake City to be straight edge with the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> Is Puma babyface here? No, because no. he's with the Dangerous Players. With, yeah. But yes, Josh Prohibition was playing a heel, like a proper dickhead heel, no? I thought he was just sort of... Just being a dick. Yeah, to the bad guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair. I feel like, we can get into it later, but I feel like this company is just a bit all over the place at the moment with all their factions and groups, yeah. their allegiances, what they are, and I think Josh Prohibition is just a poor byproduct of that. Yeah. TJP, or Puma's gear, was like... It looked like a costume shop, like white Power Ranger bottoms. It looked cheap and like like a really shitty the cream kind of off cream color. It was really bad gear. Power Ranger would suit him. <laughs> nice. Like he's a guy who always clearly puts money into his gear, but it's always terrible. <laughs> like he just has no taste. Yeah, no. yeah. Have you seen his tattoos? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he was alright. Yeah, and he wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only he was in there with someone that was better than him to show him the way. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. He would have learned something. God. It's never happened. Yeah, yeah it never yeah. happened. God, that's he's had quite a he's had a he's had a few months, hasn't he, since since we were last Months? <laughs> a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought I thought uh, Prohibition did a, a couple of cool things here. He did the like butterfly suplex and then you roll through into the choke like that's people are people are still busting that out now on like WWE TV these days um, and then the falcon arrow I then I when I saw that falcon arrow I was wondering when are we gonna when's he gonna start doing the bit about the falcon arrow I actually have no idea where that uh, Excalibur like where that originates from yeah no I never knew where it came from until recently Mitch Ryder passed away and Chris Hero tweeted that the falcon arrow he did the deal came from Mitch so Excalibur possibly got it from him or was paying tribute to him. Matt has hasn't debuted yet on this show as of mid two thousand four. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know um, where they cross paths, Mitch Ryder and Excalibur, because they Excalibur was never in Chikara, as far as I know. It could have come from Chris Hero to Excalibur. Oh yeah, yeah. they would do commentary yeah. together. Yes, that's, so. that's a good one. Yeah, because a lot of later PWG, a lot of the times Excalibur says things to whoever he's commentating with just to pop them yeah. he'll have his certain ones for Kevin he'll have his yeah, certain yeah. ones for Chuck um, Nick Gage for Kevin yeah. yeah and he'll do the 15% with Chuck so have you not, have you not seen uh, you don't know the Nick Gage no, no no we'll leave we'll leave that you, don't spoil that because I know gonna, gonna you are going to die laughing in about 10 years don't worry <laughs> it's, it's... TJP beats um, Josh Prohibition with a sharpshooter uh, so third from the top is the Pro Wrestling Gorilla Championship match, the Open Weight Championship. Frankie Kazarian defending against Colt Cabana. Uh, someone in the crowd called Kaz Pussy and Boots. I won't say what he responded with. <laughs> there, yeah, Kazarian also shouts at one guy that he wears his wife's panties. I'm like, that's a bit rich from you. You're standing up there in booty shorts with a ponytail, <laughs> like slagging off someone else. And I hear they're comfy. Yeah, they are. Well, it depends what cut they are, but... 
So on our last show, Cabana won the number one contenders three-way yes. over Excalibur and Baby Slim. Can I ask a question? You can. Why was Colt wearing glasses? I don't know. I didn't understand that either. They mentioned it, but... Not why. No. I thought they were like Bono glasses. Yeah. So I thought he was meant to have like a glaucoma or something. <laughs> and Excalibur used it to go on a, a spiel about how he looked like a young Chris Penn. First of all, I can't say I know who Chris Payne is. And second of all, that didn't explain why Cabana was wearing the glasses. But Chris Penn was there and he punched a ring post and was taken to a hospital. Yes, yeah. That was a pre-show. I think that was live audience only, though. Yeah. (laughs) Does anyone know who Chris Penn is? Absolutely no idea and I didn't Google it. He was in Footloose and Wildlife. Oh, yes, because he referenced Footloose, which I've never seen. Because when, fir- when Excalibur first said it, I was like, what are you on about? Because I was thinking of Sean Penn. <laughs> and I was like, Cook Manor does not look like Sean Penn. What are you on about? And then I think, no, I'm, I'm getting it wrong. Yeah. So Vanderpile Company's cult to the ring. And he's obviously still doing the whiteboard, but we can't see it because there's no entrance. And he wrote on it, two live Jews. Instead of the two live crew. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it is funny on commentary how they talk about how Kaz has changed so much in a month. Like, last month, technically last month, this man vanquished the dastardly Adam Pierce from this company. And we're, like, realistically, that's, you know, Frankie's time to shine. He finally got, you know, Pierce out of the company. He can go on his big run. But now he's just this edgelord. He was always an edgelord, but really leaning into the edgelord humour. And I'm not enjoying it. He's not cool. And and he's certainly not. It's like you vanquished the old territory fetishist. But Kaz as a heel is not exactly wrestling like a dynamo either. They had a they had a like a solidly okay grappling match that did not at all feel like a world title uh, battle. Like Cabana's always going to be good in a kind of grappling focus match but it was it was fairly lifeless to be fair did you not feel hatred for Frankie when Excalibur revealed that he's so evil that he starts bushfires around Los Angeles (laughs) by flicking cigarettes and dry patches of grass I think it's very indicative though now like this match is in the middle of the card um, Frankie's kind of fallen off the top now maybe Pierce was the one keeping him there as the top guy in the company maybe we're going to miss Adam Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> who knows Pierce is the actual top guy Frankie's the guy who works with the top guy you hate to see it <laughs> <laughs> he's Triple H <laughs> so there's one point where Cole Cabana throws Frankie out of the ring and he's meant to have hit his legs off the steps but he completely misses <laughs> um, he sold it for a while and then just got back in the ring and hit his finish and won yeah so at the finish was it supposed to, so it looked like Cabana was like running the ropes and for a second I almost thought the ropes broke or something because he like stumbled or something but I guess it was out of frame did Vanderpile hit him or something was that supposed to be what happened because he, he hits the rope and then he stumbles and then Frankie catches him and does his move I also didn't no, I noticed that but didn't see what happened so yeah maybe he grabbed his leg I was wondering yeah because like Cabana was basically bouncing like out of frame and stumbled for some reason and I, I would guess maybe the camera just missed Vanderpile hitting him because then the post-match angle was Vanderpile aligning with and then Baby Slim and Brad Bradley come out as well so now we have another faction <laughs> in PWG 
formed the same way every single one has formed as well bar sexual tension and aggression the only pure boys on this <laughs> roster um, so they call themselves the first family and it's Frankie Kazarian leading Baby Slim Brad Bradley being accompanied by Vanderpile I think um, that's really where the glass is shattered with me with Vanderpile like the first family going yeah. shite like <laughs> come on you have this guy walking around with his Anoki Dojo gear Baby Slim Frankie Kazarian it's like, what first family you know <laughs> Uh, Colt did clear the ring with a chair and he waffled Vanderpile that one with one of the stray shots which was kind of funny still reeling from <laughs> from that faction foreman uh, we had to pick ourselves up to watch CM Punk against Donovan Morgan uh, CM Punk was wearing Stevie Corp tights which is a storyline that I'd never heard of I'd heard of Stevie Night Heat and Excalibur did explain what this is to be fair it's it's like a somewhat fondly remembered thing from Heat where Stephen Richards was on there and he was basically running Sunday Night Heat and calling it Stephen Night Heat. I never, I do not recall Stevie Corp, which he claimed was his his company. And I also maybe Punk explained this and it wasn't it, the, the commentators talked over it. I didn't understand the relevance of doing Stevie Night Heat against Donovan Morgan. Like, was it because I think the logos looked similar to what Morgan had on his? Trunks, I had no idea why. So Punk's doing this homage to a 2002 Sunday Night Heat angle with really hideous pink tights. I did like, though, how they explained it to us whilst Punk was talking in the ring. Oh, so yeah. we hadn't a clue what Punk was saying. And any other time, PWG, I'm like, I actually don't mind. But CM Punk being CM Punk, I was kind of like, I kind of want to listen yeah. to what Punk is saying. It's like, you know, this is as great a resource as the, the High Spots Network is. Kind of wish I had the DVD where I could switch the audio because of when you're watching on, on, on High Spots, you just, they've one audio track and it's the commentary talking over punk and it's like they do not stop chattering about Stephen Richards for about five minutes while punk is doing his thing. I have no idea who this guy is. No. Okay, no one did, or... Oh, no, yeah. No, Donovan Morgan was in Noah loads with okay. Michael Modest. Like, in early, early Noah. Okay. And wrestled with them, up, like, for his whole career. There was his career only lasted about two more years longer than yeah. this. But he did a lot of tours with Japan, and he was always... They loved their big, tall guys. Yeah. But he was also not much to write home about. Well, I hate him. Like, yeah. if you think of Michael Modest... And he, they're exactly the same. Yeah, they're yeah. exactly the same. They wrestle the same way. Yeah, my my only knowledge of him came from this when they explained the two things about him, which is that he's from SoCal and that he went to Noah. That was that was my entire knowledge of it. I presumed he was a Ring of Honor guy. I just had no idea who he was. Yeah, he, he has the look of a Ring of yeah. Honor of this era he, kind of guy. He was in two thousand two Ring of Honor. Oh, well, Cameron Brenton, yeah. he did. Very weird. It was yeah. a very very weird for for a guy like Punk. He doesn't really do that much kind of stuff, like kitschy kind of like like later in his career he would have macho man tights but that was a colour scheme and that was it like he wouldn't he wouldn't come out with a goofy get up to allude to stuff like that when I didn't realise they were like sort of bike shorts yeah I thought yeah. they were full tights I did, and I thought I that did, looked cool I thought it looked really like, good Punk looks great in yeah. full tights and, and, and then now they, I wish he did it yeah, yeah and then he then moved and riding up. yeah yeah the pink was nice. Yeah. He suits pink. He does, yeah. And he had really nice pink gear late in his career. He did, so, actually, yeah. yeah. Donovan Morgan does a Rick Rude bit. I guess. Well, I, like, was this a, I don't know if this was a regularly occurring thing or was this just a thing he did on this show? He didn't what? do it in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this was his first match back in America in years. In years, yeah. So, I don't know, but he got a woman in that was meant to take his T-shirt off 
Instead, he forces a kiss on her, which absolutely was not planned. He first asked her if she's 18. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't hear that. So he asked her if she's 18, and everyone just kind of uncomfortably lost, laughs. Punk yeah. is cringing in the corner. Yeah. Like, I had hoped it was a plant, but I don't think it was. So then, yeah, no, he forces himself on her and, like, takes her down to the ground and, continue, and like... <sighs> It's a shitty thing to do. It's horrible. It's horrible. And it's like it's one of those spots even now I hate. Like oh, like yeah. Goldust, Dustin Runnels, whatever the hell he did it in and like this was planned, but he did yeah. it in AEW. Yeah. I hated it then too. Yeah. Like yeah. and Ric Flair and Becky, wasn't oh, it? Like God, horrible. Yeah. But uh the woman was incensed like she yeah. threw her shoes at him and stuff yeah. like rightly so yeah rightly so but she was embarrassed she was yeah. mortified and she was like quite shaken because she was resisting him yeah not that that makes a difference but like he was really uncomfortable yeah and i would hope that it wasn't planned and it wasn't given the go-ahead but you really don't i know. i really don't think it was because on commentary <laughs> like oh one they didn't condemn it they won't yeah. they no did. they 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 did a you know quote unquote they were doing a bit where they were like oh she loves him so much she wants to kill him with her shoes when yeah. she was throwing her shoes at him because she was like horribly disgusted so they were they were just yucking it up as it happened yeah. which was which was really cringe but it didn't come off as planned at the same no. time if you know what I mean from the way they're saying it must have been a total it was only probably about like 120 seconds long but it was the longest two minutes ever because she didn't want to stand up and then she stood up and she awkwardly waved and awkwardly laughed and she didn't want to get in the ring and, and I was like oh my god this is every second of this is so agonising it really is I so Donovan Morgan never appears in PWG again and I'd like to think it's because everyone was just like like this is in my head I'd yeah. like to think everyone's like, what? What was that? But I don't hold my, I don't hold my breath. Thankfully, he sucks anyway, mm-hmm. and had a shitty match. Oh man, this was, it was really bad. I, so, I, I've already found myself generally like I kind of knew already, but kind of re- refreshed my disappointment that like Punk at his indie feet was not like a great. I'm sorry, Zig. He was not a great worker. Worker. I actually <laughs> thought he was good in this match. Well, to, to be Punk, fair, my, my, yeah, I thought he was awful. I thought, I thought he was good. Not awful, but he wasn't. Now, no. he, listen, he's. He, I think as I think he, as he said himself, I think he said, "What was it about the the Justice Payne match?" God rest him. He said, uh, "Jerry Lynn can carry a sack of shit." Obviously, I can't. You know, he's he's not going to go in there with Donovan Morgan and get something no, great out of him. You know? No, 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 and he didn't. He didn't and yeah. I don't think he would either. But I don't know. I was just like. He was doing little things there. It's like, if Punk came around at the time like Steve Austin did in WCW, yeah, he's that style type, of, yeah, that type of wrestler. Like I think he'd have been good at that. But this match is definitely not a hill to die on, so I'm not going to no, argue no, that no. with you today. It's less. It's less. It's certainly yeah. I'm, I'm, my my point is more. It's less his performance here, which I think is like fine or whatever. It's more a case of if you ever want to dive into his back catalogue and expect like his his best work was probably in WWE. I would probably mm. say you know. Oh, 100 um, percent. He's a storyteller, right? Yeah. So so and this was again not his fault, but it was just another stinker. Um, and also like they did bad comedy after as well. Like uh, he like they did a, a punk had Morgan in a waist lock Morgan wriggled out of it and then he kept rolling on the spot like he was a b-boy dancing like imagining Punk still on his waist like this is fucking agonising every second of this but Um, I also think with Punk as well I mean at the time PWG is nearly like an excuse for him to go hang out with Samoa Joe mm, in California mm. I don't really think I don't think he took PWG seriously whereas obviously Ring of Honor was his thing you know on the 
got him next to my coast there on the east coast so I think PWG was like a holiday for him yeah that's very true because this was the same year that they had their trilogy yeah this was like it was like to blow off steam go out to California go out to the yeah shots of Pepsi yeah shots of Pepsi yeah the crowd didn't really take to him in PWG no No. No. he wasn't as over as he was used to so he we know he's got an ego and he's stubborn he yeah he didn't really he didn't give it all here because he was like well they don't care about me because they they love Super Dragon they do they really do they really do (laughs) we do do. (laughs) (laughs) and here we are 20 years later doing the exact same thing to him he's raging listen to this so Morgan goes for a pedigree which is great (laughs) (laughs) even then like 20 years that spot's been going that used Triple H's finish but CM Punk reverses it into a backslide and pins him which according to commentary was an upset <laughs> alright well, no a superstar you know, yeah but. sorry it was a shitty finish yeah oh it was yeah yeah, yeah hit him like, with, him, hit him with yeah. a move and pin him like yeah, yeah. there's no risk to protect yeah. Donovan Morgan yeah it was a piss break match before the main event that's all it was yeah Fair. but it shouldn't have been why yeah why was was it just because it was punk that this went on so late like I really or did they genuinely think that this guy coming back from Noah was a or was this another reshuffle was he brought he, in oh yeah because yeah. he was home and they needed someone for punk maybe punk was supposed to take on Quicksilver or don't discount the hot angle we've just seen they needed a cool down fair enough yeah. Yeah. and they're not going to book women <laughs> <laughs> So after that uh, tonic, <laughs> we are treated to a first time ever match. Your main event, Super Dragon against Samoa Joe. Hell yeah. It was also a number one contenders match for the PWG title. It was. And the commentary, as it does with a Super Dragon match, gets serious. Yeah. They start, they get their serious hushed voices on and they get ready. It's as if... Super Dragon is in the corner watching them do commentary, <laughs> arms folded, being like, now you'll treat this with respect. Taping, it, taping his fists, you know. <laughs> yeah. Doing his braids. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Super Dragon is in blue. Yes. Very rare sighting of the blue dragon. the blue dragon. Great gear. Great gear. And he got streamers. He got streamers and one fan <laughs> threw a streamer a few seconds later than the rest of them and Super Dragon gets out of the ring and attacks him which was just great but imagine how thrilling that would be like if you were that fan you'd shit yourself at the time oh, yeah, yeah. but leaving you'd be like oh my god Super Dragon squared up to me yeah. oh you'd love it that, that, that was what you'd do <laughs> oh, and I would shit myself. Would shit I would. Myself. I'd hide behind you. Yeah, you I'm would. looking at Emma. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what I'd do. Oh no! There's <laughs> <laughs> little Willie over here. <laughs> <so. No>, okay. <laughs> oh, was I a bit late with the stream? Oh, what? <laughs> it was very snug. His, yeah. Uh, his. I would say costume. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> his gear it fit, it fit quite snug around the, his ensemble. The um, ass, <laughs> the tail, the derriere. Um, uh, Excalibur mentioned something on commentary that I actually found out over lockdown, but it would have blown my mind if we'd done this show on time about Super Dragon being in all Japan. Yeah, like that's just absolutely mental. Anyone want to start on the match? 
this ruled. Um, (laughs) I I don't really know what else to say. Like, I think just the way they got into it, Samoa Joe's palm strikes to Dragon were just vicious. Mm -hmm. And they looked like they rocked Dragon from the get-go. And that's like the opening, what, five minutes? Um, And I think it really, really showed... Oh, it's weird to see Dragon on the back foot against yeah. someone. I was really kind of taken aback. I wasn't expecting it. Um, yeah, that's like I just sat and watched it. Like I think we say that all the time when we get to the good matches, we yeah. just sit and watch it. But this one, you had to. I loved it. Joe, like, like sort of like the. I think I say this like every time, but Joe at his peak indie wise. I mean, he is amazing. Like he never let you down. Like he, like he. I think watching this match as well, and like as Sarah said there, like seeing Super Dragon, like he's selling really well, like getting rocked and like stumbling and all sorts of stuff. Seeing him in that way really made it kind of made the comparison in my head between Joe and like Brock Lesnar of this era, in that mm-hmm. his matches had the real scariness of them like the yeah. physical intensity of Joe is like everyone else on the show is playing pretend they're little fake luchadors doing sh- <laughs> shitty bad fake lucha and then Joe's coming in slap 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 knee in the head knee in the head just slapping the piss out of people and it's no nonsense and it's it's just every single one of these Joe performances you're like this is why Samoa Joe was Samoa Joe in 2004 that's, that's a perfect analogy comparison whatever yeah yeah that's great like he just beat the everlong <laughs> like the koata kicks that he was hitting with him where like you could see dragon's brain hitting the side of his skull <laughs> you could see the concussions coming he just absolutely smashed him and dragon was taking it all and you know it was the case of him saying beforehand just fucking annihilate yeah. me yeah because there's one part where like dragon goes to do you know the spear into the ring post and fucking hell the old um, Bobby Heenan line the ring moved three inches like he absolutely killed the ring post and of course every time he got Super Dragon got a shot he made it count like he was still being Super Dragon you know he was he was slapping Joe as good as he could give but the, the match was definitely structured in a way that it was like he got one for every like three or four he took you know I think I've said this before I have not seen that much of Dragon I still can't get over how selfless he is. Because, mm. like, in my head, he always had the low-key rep where he didn't sell for anyone. He sells for everyone. Yeah. It's just he will beat the shit out of you back. But he makes everyone look amazing. Like, he made Joe look like an absolute killer. And I assume, like, well, Gabe being Gabe, he probably didn't like his look. But I assume Dragon just didn't like travelling that many places. He did? No, he didn't like flying. Right, right. Um, and he was. I think he was also a bit picky about who he worked with he was more interested in growing the Californian scene mm. right and yeah because I, I know he's a big indie star but he should have been huge he should have been he should have yeah. been huge yeah. but also I think like in the not too distant future the injuries start creeping up then as well like he uh, already doesn't have a knee doesn't he though? yeah and it's like his, his PWG appearances become sporadic as you go into the second half of this decade and so the idea of him getting on a plane to do a, a Ring of Honor job is just like it would not have been in his uh, his remit but uh, yeah but in classic dragon fashion the few Ring of Honor appearances he has are fucking unreal yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe does a discus slap at one point in this match what a spot like that's just so great what about that double stomp yeah off the top to Joe's head where it was like standing on a grape <laughs> <laughs> 
It was one of the nastiest things I think I've ever seen. Yeah, just that spot done to, to perfection. And it was it, the camera shot was great as well because Joe was looking right at the camera and, and you saw, saw the back of Dragon's feet come down on top of it. It was great stuff. What is there else to say? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was... I think it's what this... Like, it's what we needed. Like, this show was not good. No. But this main event, just kind of like... You came away from, like... That wasn't a waste of time. Like if you were sit- if we weren't sitting down reviewing these shows, you probably would have turned the show off by now, yeah. mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have been able to see it. And I think like it's so different to all of the main events that we've seen already that I think it actually stands out. It's actually it's one of my favorite matches we've seen in PWG so far. But like imagine Kazarian Cabana was the main event. <laughs> oh, like. <sighs> Yeah, there's no fault. No. <laughs> like this match, this is a testament to how good this match was. It ended by count out and it didn't even ruin it for us. Yeah. Like if I yeah. it worked for me like yeah. completely. It added to it and like just just to get into it like like Super Dragon's like dead. Like yeah. Joe completely annihilated him on the outside of the ring and you have Excalibur and Disco coming out. But what's kind of so weird is it fades to black and Excalibur is still talking over a black screen for a few seconds. And it kind of gave it that bit of extra, like, oh my God, is mm-hmm. Super Dragon okay? Like, like it's serious when he's just laying there and Excalibur put on the kind of serious voice, you know, talking over a black screen. And it was, you're kind of like, <laughs> you kind of buy into it for a few <laughs> yeah. seconds. You're yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> I will say that watching it now, yes, I liked the finish. When I first watched it, I was very upset by the finish. Yeah. Now I'm a lot saner, logical, uh, more in control of my emotions, I would say now. But say 10, 12 years ago when I watched that, I just like, that's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) That's so stupid. Super Dragon would never stay down. I knew it was going to be that. I knew it was going to be that. I love that. <laughs> but that's when you have a favorite wrestler. That's what yeah. you do. Yeah. You don't want you like to go. Yeah. They don't do that. And I yeah, because I, I probably I only really I only knew Samoa Joe from P, from like his PWG appearances when yeah. I would be watching this. So I didn't know Samoa Joe. I didn't. I was like, who is this bully? <laughs> it was just coming. He's been on what two or three shows. How dare he? <laughs> Like Hulk Hogan tapping out to the ankle lock. Because it wasn't just yeah, but it wasn't just that Super Dragon was losing. It meant that Super Dragon wasn't number one contender. Yeah. When in my eyes, he's the still, okay, he's still still to this day in my eyes, he should have the belt. Yeah. I wish he did. Hmm. Hey, now you leave Bandito alone, friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, but like if Super Dragon was champion, we'd be getting fucking incredible matches every show, and you'd know because you'd have something to look forward to because you'd be like, okay, Super Dragon's defending the belt against all these. But we people. still are. Yeah, I know, but look, and he's put himself in the main event. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't need that belt. He's bigger than the belt. Yeah, okay. he's John Cena. Look. I'm not mad about it now, okay? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll just move on. <laughs> okay. Um, so after Joe wins, Excalibur in his postscript talks about Joe winning with Joeism, 
which is like Joe used to write that on his uh, the bandaging on his hand wrist tape wrist tape thank you and I actually have Joeism written on my wall with the, yeah. with the little skull that he drew on his hand as well yeah, yeah I think we saw that on one of our zoom calls over lockdown <laughs> so it was a tour of his room I really loved Ring of Honor <laughs> I also have Briscoe's man up somewhere on oh the wall as well. this was before <laughs> any hurricanes or anything like that so the post-match promos our first ones were the Los Rojos Locos yeah. and they did their elementary school Spanish promos and hilariously dropped the bit at the end and basically sort of revealed that they're the ballards can I just say <laughs> that if El Generico were doing it he'd be lapping it up the ballads walk so El Generico could oh. run Canadians doing a Mexican <laughs> gimmick oh how original but they, they, were... they haven't done the lore like he did you know with the with the the orphanage and all this other stuff you know so the lore you know the lore. I, I haven't read the book of, of their life story, you know? but the novelization of El Generico's story goes into it a lot more you know so I think I have come around on the ballads you petty bitch. You guys get away out of it. Oh my god. What a turn. What a turn. Like it was essentially them doing Edge of Christians Los Conquistadors. Yeah. Yeah. Except um, they did it before them. <laughs> no, no, that was like 2000. That was like 2000, oh, yeah. But they did it, you know, with better matches, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. When he said bring those ballads back, I did laugh. That was, <laughs> that was I did. That was I, like, and I was annoyed because, yeah, as they were doing the little bits of English, I was rolling my eyes. And then when he just goes, yeah, bring those ballads back, I was like, all right, you got me. Um, our next promo was Baby Slim. I'd say you enjoyed this one better. Oh, with the pimp cup. <laughs> I broke down here the hen knife glass because it looked like he went into a pound shop and got one of those ones. You know, you can get like... They were the pimp. John Pimp Cup. No, Lil John ones that were made out of gold and they were massive. <laughs> yeah. This one was plastic with little fake little it definitely said 21st birthday or some shit on the side it of it. There was some lovely Swarovski crystals. Also, like this was the first instance where I kind of felt like he's having to force the keep it gangster stuff. It didn't seem like it felt like he doesn't really like doing this character for some reason. I don't know if he does or he doesn't. Because but... that's his real life. It's not a character. Okay. He yeah. wants to separate his real street life and his wrestling. Maybe he wants to do... Um, Shakespeare. A... Lucha. <laughs> No, his entire problem was about how he hated all the flippy boys. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see Dragon in the corner watching him. <laughs> I just want to flip, man. No, no. no. you got to keep it gangster. A Cabano promo after this. He looks really young. Really thick neck. That's my notes. <laughs> um, he's so much charisma. Yeah. He really does. In the f- first segment as well, and the, like I think the first segment actually in the show was be- he was better than here. This little promo, this was very much kind of an after. Like I've done my bit, uh, let me go, and his nose is sunburnt. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like he hadn't found his comedy yet. Yeah. He, he's like because he does perfect it. Do you know what I mean? Like the Cabana now knows every beat of what he's doing. Um, he's still like sort of. 
awkwardly fumbling for it mm. but yeah like I said his charisma is still off the charts like I, I feel like he doesn't think on his feet as much now anymore like he has it all ready when he goes out and stuff whereas this I think you're right that someone shoved the camera in his face yeah. and said can you do the post show and he says he's going to England for a tour so he'll be back in a while but he's still going to be on our DVD players and we can rewind and again and again and just keep watching Cabana and then he mentions S'mores Pop-Tarts um, and I agree he said he really likes S'mores Pop-Tarts and then the cinnamon ones um, so for all of you guys out there who want to eat like a banana <laughs> if you want big meaty tits and yeah. a thick neck, <laughs> thick neck. <laughs> there you go and a sunburnt nose I think that's my favourite thing about PWG is the east coast and midwest boys come over to California for like, and they're there for a day and they uh, turn up a PWG with sunstroke Remember BJ Whitmer is probably the true. Yeah, BJ Whitmer is yeah. still my That's favorite. Big, yeah. yeah, his burnt scalp. <laughs> like oh, beautiful. Mwah. We get a Kaz promo after that, who is listing off all the Chicago guys he's beaten, two of them, <laughs> and says he'll fight Michael Jordan, not from Chicago. <laughs> And other people I don't know. They probably weren't from Chicago either. Because then he had a problem with his stable after the fact as well. Oh my god, a lot of this fella. Um, he also made the cardinal sin of saying he could care less about something, which annoys me to no end. There is only one good bit about this promo, and it was Vanderpile talking about people jumping on the message boards. Yeah. But Slim was <laughs> pretending to type on the message boards, but jerking off at the same time, and he cracked himself up. <laughs> like, he was laughing away as he was pretending to type on those message boards. And I just know if people saw this clip today, they'd be like... Baby Slim knocks it out of the park in one. He's the new MJF. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, we've got to keep an eye on him. Vanderpile's message board comment, it was too specific because it made me think, you're on message boards, aren't you? Because he was like, I want them to get the screen caps of this out soon so that people could put the images in their message board signatures. I was like, okay, how could you make it more clear you're a message board dork by specifying in your signature? That's such yeah. an early 2000s. Because he was on so-called censored. He was, Like, yeah. very prominent times. Yeah, and he would try and get the, like, gimmicks over. Like, he yeah. worked on getting... What's his name? Adam Pierce's stuff so over. Because Adam right. Pierce was on the boards as well. <laughs> so, yeah, he was very much... On, and I think that's how he came to be involved I think was very much internet wrestling community right. sort of shenanigans uh, do we Barry we met on boards <laughs> no we have to pay for it that makes us cool to <laughs> <laughs> <So> Dave Meltzer <laughs> our show ends with a Samoa Joe promo a very cool Samoa Joe promo yeah, yeah. That's why I never really understood when people said that Joe wasn't a talker. Because I, like, I don't remember, do you mean, Joe ever cutting a bad promo? No, no he's always been great. Like, that's why, like, in TNA for ages when he started, he was kind of like that silent type when he went on his undefeated streak. It's like, why aren't they letting this man talk? Because he just oozes that mm. aura about him. And, like, when he goes into them talking about, like, the like two most sadistic men in PWG and one man walked out, like, he had just that swagger and aura, that, but believable, it wasn't put on. Like, that was all Joe. I can't think of anyone else on the roster trying to deliver that promo and not sounding corny no. as hell. 
but you just believe him. Um, I, w- I would say for the um, Kaz and his stable promo, like Bradley in the background looked like he was so. Do you know when you're watching someone and you can tell they don't know what to do with their hands, like flipping at the back? Like he was changing pose, he was he was crossing his arms, he was patting his. Every time the Larry was mentioned, he'd pat his hand and then he'd go back to kind of looking, kind of, didn't know where to look, didn't know what to put his hands. And I was just like, well, this guy is not. That guy is not a fountain of charisma. He's not Samoa Joe. Very true. But the Joe, so many ways. The Joe promo, much like the match, was like a different aura, a different level to everyone else. And Joe ends it with the, the most badass line where he says, if I did all that to Super Dragon, imagine what I'd do to you to get the belt. <laughs> and then cheers with his water bottle and the show closes. He's so fucking cool. He's the best. Mm-hmm. He's just so cool. And like he still is now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if you see yeah. him in any of his videos or in the up up down videos, he's still like a weird fountain of charisma that's is so unique to him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the way he speaks and the way he carries himself in the future when you look back, he'll actually have been nearly a missed opportunity. Yeah. Because he could have been much bigger. But I suppose that was WWE's fault for not taking him from not TNA when they should have. Yeah. So that's the end of our show. Um felt good. To get back doing it. Yes. Even if the show wasn't great. Yeah. I've missed it and I've missed this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm happy to be back. And I I will say as as mostly bad as the show was, I'm glad we got that main event. I'm glad we got like a a one strong match to say, you know, it's not all it's not all crap. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed it too. So now we'll move on to your questions with Curious Gorilla. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Henry asks, what's your favourite Power Ranger? So, my favourite Power Ranger was the red one, Jason. Uh, so much so that I went through a phase where I made my family call me Jason. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, no, seriously. What age were you? Uh, it says about seven or eight. And then you were 13 and you read Under the Red Hood and you said, well, Dad, I've, I'm going to have to start doing this again. This Jason crack. <laughs> oh my God, what? Yeah, no, seriously. And when we're making our confirmation... Um, no! God! <laughs> so, when you make a confirmation, you have to... Oh my God. ...have a saint's name for, like, your new holy name? I don't know. Saint Zord, please? Yeah, so I... I couldn't find a Jason, so but I didn't pick Jason. I picked Stephen for the. Yeah, I made people call me Jason for a year or so. That is such a kid thing. I feel like most kids they'll go where they'll briefly. I want to be called something else. I yeah. don't like this name. Yeah. So was it exclusive to your immediate family, or was it literally like everyone was like, if if like someone's like, oh, so what's your name? You're like, yeah, it's Jason. No, I never had that confidence oh. to do that. Yeah, it was just at home. Or, like, the extended family at Christmas. There was a Christmas where I had to be called Jason. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone... You shouldn't have gone first. I can't... Yeah, I can't top that. I was also... Because my, my answer was going to be, I love Power Rangers growing up. I don't remember any of the traits of any of them. To me, they were just people in cool costumes who did karate, and that's all I cared about. So I can't even remember their names, other than the colours. Um, I want to be that floating head in the jar that they talked to. I liked the yellow... Power Ranger she was my favourite because I hated the colour pink and I hated that all the other girls were obsessed with Kimberly Kim, was it yeah. um, and so I had to I felt sorry for the yellow Power Ranger because I was like she's actually better yeah. and um, that was 
Um, I've never watched Pirates. <laughs> um, Not even like Time Force or something like that. No, you kid. No. Because <laughs> you're younger than us. I feel young now. <laughs> Kids our age just watch Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I like I. I know. I don't even know the colors. Like I mm. pick a color. Yeah, that's your new favourite. Purple? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good job, Pete. Probably in the later series, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Purple, a good one? Is there a purple? We don't even know yeah. if there was one, but yeah. He well, smelled like lavender. He was like. <laughs> yeah, it was just. Parangers wasn't a thing in my house. Mm. Like, my, it, like, my brothers didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Lame. And then it wasn't on when I was growing up. Fair enough. I, I watched Cat Dog. I watched Angry Who was your favourite cat dog? <laughs> <laughs> I like, really liked that, you know, plain cat dog. Um, yeah, it was just, I was a Nickelodeon kid, so. Fair. It's probably on Nickelodeon now that I've said that. I'm no, I, I don't Fox. think it was, yeah. Okay. yeah. Fox Kids. Okay, uh, next question is from Eamon, No More Mutants. Uh, which PWG wrestler would cook the best Christmas dinner and who buys the best presents? Uh, for cooking, I would probably... I, this is based on absolutely nothing. He could be a terrible cook. <laughs> for some reason, I just want to say Samoa Joe. Um, I think it's, I think it's just he has especially current day Samoa Joe when he's sitting there at the announcement he has he's still tough but he also has a little bit of cool dad energy about him that I kind of think I think he would I think he'd do quite the I think he'd do a feast as well I think there'd be good stuff in the Joe household cigars after cigars after when when the did they watch football on Christmas Day over there no it's Thanksgiving Thanksgiving okay but um, yeah so Joe for dinner and for presents. They all strike me as people who are like. I think the better question would be who'd be the worst gift giver, like punk, probably. Um, best, because he's because he's a bit of a, a nerd. I, maybe Excalibur. I think he might put a bit of effort in, so that'd be that'd be my my pick. Okay, I'm going. My answer is the same for both, and it's going to be Rocky Romero, because I think he's a very you know giving person. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to make sure everyone's catered to. You know. When people come over to his house, he's the guy doing the rounds, you know. Yeah, I was going, you know, you know, enjoying the food, having a good time, making sure everyone's happy and just having, you know, just, just settled. And we've seen it before that, you know, when he comes back from Japan, he brings Kit Kats to people, mm. he brings things over. He remembers. He's the type of guy you could say in passing that you like something mm. and he'll remember that, like, a year later and he'll surprise you with a gift. So... Yeah, Rocky's my guy. I definitely agree about the gift given by Rocky. He's he's the most thoughtful person on the roster, I would say. Um, as far as cooking, I'd say someone like Talwar you'd be surprised with. I'd say he could be like a secretly good cook. He seems like someone that might have been brought up in a cooking family. Do you know what I mean? And he knows, mm. knows a few tricks himself. So I think he'd be a, he'd be decent. So that's my pick. Mine are the same as Barry probably. Samoa Joe definitely. I don't like Christmas dinner, actually controversially. Wow. So I would want someone that would have maybe a different take on Christmas dinner. Mm. And I feel like if I went if Samoa Joe invited me over to the compound, there would be a pretty big feast that 
would not be dry turkey. No, it would probably be like boar or something. Hell yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just a boar. Yeah. Um, it would definitely be barbecue though, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, presents. Yeah, Excalibur. I think because I think they'd be funny. Yeah. But I think yeah. also disco, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel like disco might have a secret depth. Yeah. That you're surprised. And every year you're surprised. Yeah. Like, it's always something really nice. You're like, oh. Like, because <laughs> he's such a goofball the rest <laughs> yeah. of the year. And they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, next question is from Ben, Benny Owens. He says, uh, as it was named after the second Ninja Turtles movie, uh, who is your favorite turtle? And he follows up here. Anyone who doesn't have an answer thinks they are too cool for the turtles is dead to me. Well, I'll have to say there, I'm very similar to the... Like the Rangers, I watch them, but I, I can't say I'm... I don't know which one had which weapon and <laughs> had the names. I just thought they were turtles, they did moves, that was fine. <laughs> and they, they, they ate pizza, so I can't pick one, so I don't know. I'll be the rat. <laughs> Splinter. Spl- no, yeah, yeah, Master Splinter. Yeah, yeah. Shredder. Shredder is the bad guy. That was, that was coming. Uh, Raphael was my favorite. Okay, what uh, did he have? He's the red one, and he had the uh, forks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the gardening trowels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was like the smart arse right of the group, so he was always my favorite. So I never really watched the turtles. <laughs> yeah. Not because I thought I was too cool. I just think. It wasn't my era again. Mm. I think Turtles was on before me and then after me, and it passed me by. That's fair. But it was big in my household. I do know that I've heard stories of Christmases when Turtles were big and people having to run out and go buy Turtles for my older brothers, and it was like the hot thing at the time. So I'm imagining it like that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he's running around, what's it called? Jingle right. all the way. Jingle all the way, and he's trying to get the hot toy of the year. What's the commando with your Where's the turtle one? <laughs> so I, th- I think that year it was a Turbo Man esque year that the turtles were like the hot gift yep. of like 1994 or something. I think it was earlier yeah. than that. Yeah, I think they were like 90s and then into 90s, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I wasn't present mm. at the time. Mm. But, um,. Yeah, I just think they're all cool dudes. Okay. Cool turtle dudes that eat pizza. Please um, please send Nickelodeon era questions for <laughs> Which SpongeBob character are you in? Now that I could write an essay on. <laughs> which iCarly cast member do you most? Who, which PWG star would be the best on an episode of iCarly? <laughs> well, let me tell you now. Spencer would make sure that. Um, no, but if seriously, there's only 101 on Fabulous. <laughs> Any questions, please hit me up. I always get in trouble for my one. My favourite was always Donatello, and everyone always thought he was the worst. I think you're all idiots. Donatello was the best. He was the smartest, like me. Uh, He liked purple, like me. Uh, Very good with a stick, (laughs) like (laughs) me. Uh, I loved him. He was my favourite. He was the worst. He was the worst. (laughs) I'm sorry. Michelangelo was a fucking waster. He was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like the stoner, but he wasn't because yeah. obviously it was a kid's show. Yeah. He was a radical dude. Did any of you have the flipping turtles that like, they were the toys that if you pushed down its head it did a backflip? No. Oh, no, I don't think so, no. I had what I 
thought and now that I think about it um, I guess it wasn't real was a signed photo (laughs) 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 of um, Michelangelo was it a paw print or something? No. <laughs> paw <laughs> What are their feet called? Um, feet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and he was just eating pizza and he, like it just said, hey dude, and it signed his name. Oh, it didn't say to Emma. No, 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 no. It was just, it was just like a picture signed. That was an extra him. 50 it, wa- it wasn't even for me. Well, you know. It was for my brothers. I did have the Teddy. I had the Raphael Teddy, I think, because oh, Donatello, there was no Noah. Don Tallow because obviously he was very popular so they didn't get it in <laughs> um, and I controversially uh, ripped off his eye mask and he just looked so naked without it he looked like a little like penis with eyes I did the exact same yeah. thing yeah. Oh, I know exactly weird, what you mean weird yeah. Can I ask what you guys think of the new turtles? Because you know the way they're all like three D. I have no time for them. Three D. I haven't watched any of them, so. <laughs> okay. Too busy watching independent films. You know. <laughs> Too good for new turtles. Okay. Yeah. No. They. I, they have no. I'm not interested in them whatsoever. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Well, neither have I. It's not <laughs> <laughs> so our next question is from another Ben. At King Kicks, who asks the biggest missed opportunities in PWG history? What a loaded question, Ben. Uh, I think if we just focus on kind of where we are now, because obviously, you know, Zig hasn't seen a lot of PWG, so if we focus on biggest opportunities so far, I would say the first show when Samoa Joe couldn't show up and it was supposed to be Joe versus AJ Styles I think that could have been an incredible match that would have put PWG that would have elevated them from the debut show so I, that would be my answer I remember being quite not mad but I was mad online um, <laughs> when Willie Mack never won the title like he had that great match with Steve and I was certain he was going to win he didn't win and then it's not just that he didn't win, but then his he kind of faded. That that was the beginning of him slowly becoming less and less prominent there, which was a, which was a real uh, unfortunate. Thankfully, he's still kind of bouncing around in wrestling, which is good. But yeah, that was I thought that was a miss. I thought he absolutely should have won at some point. Um, I think for me it was actually Kenny Omega's run in, in PWG. Um, so like I think it was just poor timing for him. Well, not really poor timing. It was great timing for him that the same time. He started blossoming in PWG and becoming the big name and, you know, going on to win things. It was when he then went over to Japan and started wrestling for DDT a lot more often. So he wasn't around the American independent scene. So I think if timing was better and maybe slightly earlier for Kenny, I think having him have a great run in PWG, you know, in, in, in 2009, 2010 really would have been something. Um, and I think he would have been able to to really show us he wasn't just the goofy character like that's all we really saw from PWG was mm-hmm. his stuff with Generico and Chuck Taylor and just you know Bola's previous of he was kind of the goofy guy coming in really anime and yeah I I just think I wish we got to see more serious Kenny I think that's what I'm trying to say and yeah a missed opportunity for some great main events. I'm going to do similar to Emma, seeing as I've only really seen the first year. And I think actually now, having seen this show, the biggest missed opportunity 
it's more of a mistake well, it's a bit of both is putting the belt back on Kaz there is no need for it and that Dragon Joe main event showed that it should have been on one of them because um, they're still around you could still put it on them and like if Joe can't lose then just put on Dragon like Kaz did not need that retribution from Adam Pearce so yeah that, that would be mine right now I think the wrong guy is champion and the wrong two guys have been champion mm. for your hot promotion starting out to sort of like Kaz is okay he's an okay wrestler but Pierce do you know what I mean he never went on to do anything after this and he did nothing before it like this is probably his peak bar mm. weird meaningless NWA run yeah so yeah I'd say their usage of the championship in their first two years is a huge missed opportunity when I think of it now missed opportunities in PWG I think and laugh about Brian Myers attempt this PWG was his dream like he wanted to be an indie superstar and he absolutely shit the bed and I don't know that he could have ever been anything Um, I don't personally like him that much but I think that was such a big missed opportunity for himself which I look back on and laugh (laughs) I think it was just even the magnitude of it. Like, he was against AJ. He yeah. had a bad match with AJ, AJ Styles. Like, and he angered him so much. Like, AJ was the best wrestler in the world yeah. at that time. And, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of have a side question based off this that is sort of for you, Emma. Okay. Now that you have gotten back into Eddie Kingston. Yes. And he unceremoniously left PWG. Yeah. Do you think that is a big missed opportunity? I think that's a huge missed opportunity. Like, I think about that a lot now. Yeah. Where, because no, I didn't know right. this until Emma told me this, he had a falling out and he was gone from PWG. But he, not, he doesn't even know he had a falling out. So you're telling him now? Yes, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> if you need consoling. <laughs> yeah, so basically... They weren't happy with him. When I say they, Super Dragon was not happy with him um, when he broke uh, a microphone over... Oh, no. Sorry. Hero Hero broke the microphone over Eddie's head. They got in like a proper shoot fight. um, And that was fine because Chris Hero apologised the next day and bought a new microphone. So Super Dragon was okay with him, but never really was happy with Eddie after that. And he, he didn't come back. But Eddie... I don't think I ever knew why he didn't come back, but he never followed it up either. Yeah, I, Eddie would have been great in PWG, yes. so that's definitely, yeah. Especially when you see him now, like, God, yeah. they'd have lapped him up. Especially in this past couple of years where they haven't really had a guy. Yeah. Like, a, a fan favourite guy. They've had plenty yeah. of wrestlers, but not... They've really run out of that home guy that everyone gets behind. Like, when Chuck left, mm-hmm. that was the end of that. Yeah. They haven't gotten anyone since. Well... Bandito, you can argue. Bandito, I think, has really went over the hearts and minds of the PWG faithful. Do you think they'd care in a storyline? Yeah, because I yeah. think they throw his bowler on. They they were really rooting for him. They took on to him before any other promotion did. So he really feels like the PWG guy. Um, but but I would say yeah. After Chuck, it's been Chuck, and then Bandito, and that's it. I think that is the problem, though. Now it's it's only ever one guy. There can never be more than one. It's they only put their focus and energy into into one person. 
who then gets so big that he has to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like a weird self-fulfilling prophecy. Anyway, that was my indulgent question. Last question's from Akil, who says, How well would Dan the Dad have got have got into How well would Dan the Dad have got into early PWG? I'm sure have he gone means on. how yeah, how we got on. Um, I think I'm the only one here at this table who has actually sorry in the studio (laughs) (laughs) who has actually seen Dan the Dad and I don't think he'd have gotten on very well in early PWG because as jokey as it is and as much as the crowd like getting involved and all that it's not ironic no no so I don't think they'd have liked that like fanny pack short dad shorts type humour yeah. uh, they'd have called him some outrageous things mm-hmm. yeah so no I don't think that would have gone down well at all the crowd was vicious like yeah. at that time it really was and they didn't hold back so I yeah I don't think it would have worked it worked when the Japanese guys came over they loved that but no they wouldn't have but taken that wasn't an, ironic yeah, yeah no they wouldn't have taken an American they performer they were vicious and like surly and like and like also not hot either no. or, like when the matches are good the crowd yeah. are like considering this would go on to be like a hot promotion like definitively yeah. one of the greatest kind of atmospheres when they when they really hit their stride like this early crowd sucks all they do is say problematic shit and then they, they are either being quiet or they're doing that <laughs> it's either quiet or slurs yeah it's like they are they are bad yeah so that's it's actually that name is a good uh, indicator of the the shift in what was considered funny 15 years ago versus what what's getting over now I don't even think he'd get on well now no but maybe not PWG no. yeah. he has his niche I guess GCW I think is his, his home and even then he hasn't even gotten there yeah so so like what is Dan the dad like I've seen him on social and I... he is honestly a not great wrestler who came up with a gimmick to get on shows it works for, for, for him, yeah. for his role on the yeah. show, you know. It's a completely different podcast getting into the current independent wrestling yeah. scene in America, it's but like I 500 think... 500 quid Patreon tier to review current indies from America would be the... Oh, what's the... GCW? That's about it. If you want to listen to our other <laughs> podcast, Schlack Talk... <laughs> <laughs> Talk with me, Michael Schlack. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we will leave you there and you will hear from us next time for the next show which is titled the next show nice uh, we can't say it'll be next month we but we would hope it is we hope so yeah, yeah. Uh, everything is fluid but we will try to be back in your ears as often as possible because it's great to be back yes thanks for listening and sticking with us through the quiet months and follow us on twitter at gorilla island you can email us at gorilla island at gmail.com my own personal Twitter is at Zig on the Rocks. I'm at the Barry Lad. At O underscore Emoji. And at Sarah Flan. So we will talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.